Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. I'm ready for the word. I'm ready to bring the word. The title of my message this morning, we don't really have the center screen that may come up on the side screens is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Everybody say, what's love got to do with it? Does everybody remember that Tina Turner song? Come on, Justin. I don't know. I'm not comfortable around a microphone. He was born with a microphone in his hand. I said, what's love got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? And you know what? Love should never be a second-hand emotion. Yeah. It shouldn't be a thought. It shouldn't be a, a saying. Love, love is action. Yeah. It, it, it's a verb, not an adjective. It's, a, it's doing. Love is doing something. It says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So there was over 600 laws of the prophets. But he says, Master, what's the greatest? What's, what's the premier? What's the highest value there is in the kingdom? He says, love God and love others. Church, you're so good at doing this. I, I see it in your actions, not just your words. And it's amazing what Justin was saying before, but I thought, you know, we, we can get so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. It's like, ouch, you know, we're so, I love God, and I'm loving people, and I'm worshipping, and I do nothing with it. But I'm heavenly minded, and I'm focused on the things above, but I'm not doing anything with it. I could have turned up at Lismore in my car, God loves you, I love you. You're awesome. God loves you. And then driven off. And it would have helped nobody. In fact, it probably would have turned more people off towards God and the church than anything else. But without saying the name of Jesus once, but turning up and being Jesus to the people that were there, people see there's hope. People see there's love. And, And I just want to talk to us, again, I'm preaching to the choir, but about living a life of generosity. And I know as soon as I say that, most people think he's talking about money again. He's talking about money. But, but money should be the smallest part of our generosity as believers. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should have generosity of spirit. We, are, we should demonstrate generosity in our love. We should be accepting. We should be forgiving. We should be, we should be you know, welcoming people into our, our worlds, being generous and going far beyond finances. I don't ever want to have my life defined as that. That's the guy that's generous with or stingy with finances. I want people to go, that's the guy that includes. That's the guy that encourages. That's the guy that that makes me feel welcome wherever I am. And we can all do that. And and I think we've become good at Christians, and hear me correctly when I say this, but at appearing to love without necessarily loving. we've, We've painted a picture that we are love, and we are we are all these things, but we haven't necessarily put rubber to the road. And I think it's time for the church not to be heavenly minded, but to be earthly good. To be heavenly minded, 
but also back our, 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 our statements and our praise and our worship with our, our actions. Amen? And uh, it's easy to say loving God and loving others, but neither necessarily comes easy to the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. And that, include, that includes me. It's, it's easy to say. What's the first and greatest command? Love the Lord your God, love others. Okay, great, that's fantastic. It's not so easy to do. Yeah. And so at times I have to get beyond flesh and get beyond self and get beyond personal desire to actually do and be what God has called us to do and be. Yeah. And, man, we're living in a, in a self-focused life and world and society that's, that, that just wants to accumulate and wants to be validated by what I have and the, the persona and the perception of my life. Well, these guys have nothing anymore. So where do they find that validation? And what they have accumulated, they, have, they don't have any more. Yeah. So they need hope, and, 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 and hope can be found in, in the name and person of Jesus. So what's love got to do? Can't I just look after me and mine? I've got responsibilities. I've got pressures. I've got stresses. Can't I just focus on me and mine and what we've got and what I can get and, 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 and building up and accumulating? No. As a believer, we can't. Jesus says, he who would find his life must first lay down his life for others, which he did for us. That, that if we call ourselves believers and we call ourselves followers of Christ, we have to follow in the ways of Christ. Christ gave all for humanity. He gave all for those that didn't have the lost, the broken, the hurting, and uh, we can do the same. And what God is to us, we're called to be to others. And again, I know this is a little heavy and, and I'm, I'm not wanting it to be, but we can be the answer to humanity's problems. We can help solve the issues of our societies. And where there is no love, there's a breakdown of morality. There's a breakdown of societal values. But when we bring love back into the middle of the equation, we change lives. Amen. So I quickly want to look at three things that love does. Three things that love does. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. Good. I've got the microphone. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to. First thing is love initiates. Love starts the ball rolling. Love does something. There should never be a 50-50 attitude or, 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 you know, exchange when it comes to our relationships or, or helping other people. Somebody has to go first. Just go first. Yeah. Somebody has to start. Just start. And start where you are with what you have. Do what you can. And, and that's enough. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, it's like, you know, I'll apologize when they, when the, sorry, I'll forgive when they apologize. No, just apologize first. The Bible says while we were still sinning, Jesus came. While we were still afar off, while we were still separated, God said, you know what, I'm going to initiate. I, I want reconciliation, so I'm going to initiate and call my kids, my people, back into relationship with me. You know, God, go first. The Bible says, love those that hurt you and do good to those who hate you. Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to love those that hurt me. I want to slap them on the face. I don't want to do good to those that hurt I want to get revenge. Yeah. Just me. <laughs> Next with me, Sparola. That's not how we're called to live. We're called to forgive first, to to go first, to apologize first, to step out and step up first. Because that's who we are. But it hurts. Do it. But it's hard. Do it. 
Jesus did it. It wasn't easy to depart heaven and come to the earth and have yourself mocked and brutalized and nailed to a cross for something you've never done. But he did it and he went first. And in Romans 5, 7, it says, For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for one good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Because he initiated love, we're spared from the wrath of God. Yeah. Spared from eternal separation. There are people that we can we can show love to, that we can initiate forgiveness, that we can we can go look past breaches and and you know what they've done wrong to us. We can say, I choose to forgive, and they will be open then to relationship and entering into the love of God for their life. Yeah. Ephesians 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he, with which he loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God acted first. Church, we should act first. We should do good. We should sow love. We should be generous. We should be active in, in showing people what Jesus looks like in the earth. And uh, I love the scripture in Luke 15. It's a great story. It's a story of the prodigal son. So then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of good that falls to me. <clears throat> so he divided them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all, journeyed to a far-off country. There he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he'd spent all, there arose a famine in that land. He began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself with a citizen of that country and who sent him to the fields to feed the swine. We know the story. A young man comes to his father and says, give me the portion of my inheritance. It was always coming to him. Yeah. It was always his. But it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. He says, give me what I deserve. You're old, you don't get it anymore. I want now what's mine. <coughs> and his father graciously gave it to him. And it says he went and he partied and he drank. And he took drugs and he slept around and he did everything he thought that would fulfill him. I, I want gratification. I, I want answers. I want, I want now. And he got now. And he realized that what he got wasn't enough to make him feel any better than what he already did. So many people are searching for so many things, but, but love initiates. And it says that he, he went to a land and he, and he ate pig slop. There was nothing left. It had all gone. And now there's a famine and he's in need. And there was only pigs. And he says, and he came to himself. And when he came to, sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to come to yourself. To realize the grass isn't always greener. To realize what I had was pretty good. Where I was was pretty good. And he says, when he came to himself, he said, I'm going to go back to my father. And this wasn't even his love. This was the love of the father realizing that he would be accepted back. And so, he, so he, he got himself together. He went back and he fell before his father. He said, Father, I'm not worthy to be even considered as one of your, one of your sons or, or a servant, but, but, but let me be like a servant. And his father loved on him. And he said, clean him up and put a robe on him and put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. This is my son. But, but love initiated a return. And love will always initiate return. Love will always in, in, engage people's hearts and draw them closer. And this is just such a, a, a great story, a powerful story, because a son, even though he'd lost all, 
even though we've broken trust. Even, see, the thing is, the people we meet daily have broken trust. The, the people we meet daily have, have possibly hurt us or wronged us or, or taken what we had and squandered it. But here you see the heart of a father and, and a son returning and he throws his arms around him. Church, we're called not to judge but to throw our arms wide open and say, you're welcome. You're wor- welcome in my world. You're welcome in my sphere that, that I'm not closed off. I, I, I want to be in relationship with you. There are people out there that will only ever see Jesus through you and your arms open wide. And if we close ourselves off and just look after us and don't initiate relationship and don't initiate healing, it will never come. But we have that great opportunity to let it flow through our lives towards others. Amen? The second thing is love reconciles. So first it initiates, but then it reconciles. And, you know, we know God sent his son to the cross to reconcile the world to himself. We know John 3.16. Everybody, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that anyone who would believe in him would not perish, but have a, a, for God so loved that he did. He didn't just say, you know, can you imagine Jesus and God sitting up in the, you know, heaven, looking over the balustrade towards earth. I love those guys. I love them. They're awesome. They're in trouble. I love them. What are we going to do? I'm, let's just sit here and talk about loving him. Let's just sit. They're awesome. I created them. They're made in my image. I love them. They're, they're condemned to eternal you know, separation from me, but I love them. He didn't stop there. Yeah. He couldn't stop there. His love went beyond convenience. His love went beyond sitting on the throne next to his Father in heaven, the one who spoke where there was nothing and created everything that we enjoyed today. He said, I'm going to go and do something. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he sent. Yeah. You know where it says, go into all the world and make disciples? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and know that I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus was the first one to go. He went because we needed him to come. And we can do the same thing. We can be those that go. We can be those that put ourselves out for the betterment of somebody else. And, you know, the beginning and ending of reconciliation is Christ on the cross. Yeah. It's Jesus Christ hanging on a cross in between two prisoners saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I I don't know how you could do that. Hands and feet pierced, a crown of thorns on the head, back whipped within an inch of his life, a a spear thrust into his side. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How how big is your threshold for, for forgiveness? How big is your threshold for pain and people hurting you and wronging you? Because the Bible says, Father, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? He says, no, no, 70 times seven. In other words, keep forgiving, keep accepting, keep blessing, keep initiating, keep reconciling people to you because in doing that, you'll reconcile them to me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And what I love is the initiation creates a moment for reconciliation. So as we initiate with people, we create an opportunity for reconciliation to come in there. And people are searching. The people that I was talking to down in Lismore and Broadwater and Woodburn and these suburbs that are still underwater, they're they're looking for hope. They're looking for an answer. And it's not in possessions. They They want something beyond the material. They want a supernatural connection and engagement that, that takes them to that place of hope in a hopeless situation. 
You know, when we as the church think, well, we're saved and, and we've got the answers and we're better than you, and we're, it doesn't work. We have to get down to people's level and say, I found Christ as a broken, dirty sinner. I found Christ in my mess and you can too. Jesus was gracious enough to love on me and accept me and welcome me and he accepts and welcomes you as well. The Bible says it's God's will that none should perish but all should come to eternal life. And you're the instruments God wants to use on this planet to see eternal life come to people. He wants you to introduce people to his son. He, he, he wants people to see your life and your good deeds and your good works and say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I want to be a part of a church. I want to be part of the answer. I, I, can, I, can I get an amen from someone this morning? 2 Corinthians says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. There's no out here. We've all been given. If you've been accepted in Christ and made a new creation in Christ, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say, I'm a minister of Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I've been called to make a difference. I've been called to shine the light. I've been called as a, as a, a shiner of light in the earth today. That was a bit... That was a bit <laughs> We are ambassadors of Christ. We're to bring reconciliation between God and the lost, holding nothing against anyone. Can I, can I ask you this morning, if you hold anything against anyone, just forgive them. Bring, their, bring them to mind, their name, and just in your mind, just say, I forgive them. I release them. I, they, I, nobody owes me anything. I, I, I hold nothing against any other person. Today I choose to be, the Bible says forgive lest you be forgiven. Judge not, lest you be judged. And, and I think God, I said this last week, but God has reserved one day in all of eternity for judgment. Outside of that, he's looking for every single opportunity for his sons and daughters to come back into relationship with him. Let's not be a blockage or a, or a stone on the path or something that deters others from coming to Christ. Let's, let's be that wide open door that says, Jesus is this way. It's an awesome journey. Come with me. Follow me. Amen. Third thing is love transforms. And reconciliation without transformation causes an opportunity for that problem to always return. But when we when we uh, reconcile, we need to allow ourselves to be transformed. You know, it says anybody that's in Christ is a new creation. We then need to let the, the Spirit of God touch that new creation and bring transformation to our lives so that we can look and be as, as Christ calls us to be. And... Uh, it says this in 2 Corinthians 3, 16, it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being transformed daily. Can I encourage you, allow yourself... We talk about praying, we talk about reading the word, we talk about being filled with the spirit. Let it take its work in your life. Let God take the rough edges off. Let God shape you up. And it's not always comfortable and it's not always easy. When the Holy Spirit pinpoints you're doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. You live like this and you shouldn't be living like that. It's easy to, to press back and say, but that's, that's me, that's my nature, that's my upbringing. No, you're a brand new creation. 
when you gave your life to Christ, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your you became a new person, born of the Spirit, not born of flesh. And, and that's what the Bible says, that we must be born again because we're all born of corrupted seed. But when we're born again, we're, we're born of the incorruptible. We're born of the Spirit of God. Amen. And, you know, there's this great story in the Bible. And it's a story of Jacob and Esau, two brothers. Two brothers who not only fought in life, but fought in the womb. There was a tussle on the inside. And, and they fought even in coming out from their mother's womb. They, they fought. They were twins. And there was a tension. There's always a tension in relationships. Yeah. There's always a tussle. And, and that's, that's the way it's always going to be. With, with, with family, with friends, with work colleagues, there's, there's always going to be a tension. And what we see is Jacob <clears throat> stole his brother's birthright, which is which, which is massive. In, in you know, it, it's a big deal to steal your brother's birthright. You got you got double what they got. You got the privilege, the honor. You got the father's blessing. And we see in you know Genesis 32 and 33 that Jacob, despite getting wealthy and despite uh, having everything he'd ever wanted. He had to fight for it because that was his nature and that's his personality, but there was still a lack in his life. And he said, you know, I've got to do something. I've got I to initiate reconciliation with my brother. I've got I to go towards, I've got to make this right because though I've got everything, and the thing is this, we search for so much in life, and I need the new car, and I need the bigger house, and, I, and I'm looking for the, the better job and the pay rise. And the, we, we look for so much, but we can lack so much because there's breaches of relationship in our lives. That, that it's very simple to, to, to make, make right. <clears throat> what I love about this is Jacob initiated. He got up and started moving towards his brother. Can, can I encourage you, get up and start moving towards those things that bring agitation in your life, that bring distance in your life, that, that get up and, and, and make a difference, initiate reconciliation, initiate forgiveness, initiate uh, generosity towards those that have, have been miserly with you and watch what happens because Jesus first did it to us while we were lost, broken sinners. And, and the same thing he did was he first initiated, then he, he reconciled, he came to a place uh, where he fell before his brother and he said, look, everything I have, you see what I've accumulated over this many years, I've got it, but I want to give it to you. And his brother goes, I, I, I don't need that. I, I, this is what I want. People aren't always looking for what they can get. They're looking for an open heart, an open life that will just accept. So many people are just looking for acceptance. I, I can't tell you how many people down in Lismore I just, just handed a bottle of water to and just gave five minutes to. And I think that five minutes was worth more to them than anything because I just listened to their story. People are just looking to have open channels of, of communication. And as the church, we should be that. A listening ear, not just a giving hand, but a listening ear, a smiling face, a, a, a welcoming persona. I don't know if you've met people and the second you walk up towards them, you go, I know you don't want to talk to me. I know you've got no time for me. They're cold and they're hard. And it's kind of like that. How are you doing? And I'm just going to keep going. And the weights that I'm, going to, I'm carrying, I'm going to keep carrying. And the burdens that I've got, I'm going to, I didn't want to project onto you, but I would have just loved somebody to hear what I had to say. So often just a, an ear that hears what people say is enough. And that lightens the load. That buoys their spirit. That, that carries them. And I love this because Issa said, I don't need what you've got, but I would like the relationship back. And the amazing thing was that... Uh, Jacob was transformed because he wrestled with God. 
And Jacob's name means supplanter or deceiver. But God, after wrestling with God all night, and, and God's saying, let me go, and he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And we know the story that he touched Jacob's hip, and his, his hip socket was put out of place, and he walked with a limp for the rest of his days. But, but the, as it is, he says, your name will now be Israel because you've, you've fought with God and prevailed. You, you've found a place of victory in your life. You've allowed yourself to be transformed. You're not who you used to be. I'm going to change your name. And I think, I think God wants to change the name of the church. Because yeah. I don't think the world wants to hear the church anymore. Yeah. I think the world wants to see the church. I, I think the world wants to see what we believe yeah. and see who we love and see what we stand for, not hear it. Yeah. And I think God wants us to wrestle with him. We are the church. We are the chosen. We're ambassadors. Of the, the world wants us to, to fight, prevail with God, to, for us to go to that place of tension where God works on our lives so that we can be that clear representation of who he is to the world. That's good. And, and he came before Esau humbly and fell to the ground. When we, when we don't show the church, we've got all the answers and we are the called and the chosen and the appointed and the anointed. When we go, brothers and sisters, how can we help you? That's what love's got to do with it. Love opens heart. Love engages people. Love breaks down barriers and walls and says, here we are. We want to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. We want to bring solutions to your world. And, and church, as I said, you do this every day. I'm just trying to encourage us from the scriptures. Let's keep doing what we do. Let's do what we can with what we have, where we are, and let God do the rest. Amen? Because when we allow the love of God to touch our lives and we start to reflect that, when we initiate and we look for points of reconciliation, every single one of us has the right to hold on to things that have happened in our lives, to hold on to hurts, to hold on to, to pain, to hold on to unforgiveness. But honestly, and I, I heard this again yesterday, Nelson Mandela said, you know, holding on to a grudge, holding on to unforgiveness is, is like, you know, your, of your enemy is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts them. It only ever hurts us when, when we don't do it, but when we do, we can change the world. Can we just stand to our feet? This afternoon, I believe that God wants to just touch us by His Spirit afresh this morning so that we can be that love in the community that He's called us to be. And I'm sorry, I didn't want this to be a heavy message today. I just. It's the scriptures, though. And so often we want the light, we want the fluffy, but really, if we live like this, our world will be changed. If we live like this, if we do what the Word says, will be blessed. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or sits in the way of sinners, or stands in the way of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in season. Whatever he does shall prosper. God wants your life to prosper. He just wants you to do it in accordance to what he asks. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. As we walk willingly and obediently towards what God calls us to do, we think it costs us, but it costs us temporarily and blesses us eternally. Father, I just thank you for every person here today. I thank you for your word. Lord, that it would take root in our hearts, that, that would, we would be those that initiate. We would be those that reconcile. 
and we would be those that allow transformation to flow in us and through us by the power of your spirit, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for every person here, those that aren't here today, that Lord, they'd be touched of your spirit, they'd be filled afresh this morning. Lord God, that we would realize that that we are the answer to humanity's problems, carriers of Christ, filled with the Spirit of God, that we can be life changers, world changers, that we can see your name glorified in your mighty and wonderful name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.